forget the status quo. What? This is a sports coverage thing you want to hear. All right, all right, all right. Recorded from the heart of Northeast Mississippi, covering high school, college, and the pros. Jackson Finch, Peyton Taylor, this is Cousin Cast. What's going on, everybody? Hi, I'm Jack Fish, along with Peyton Taylor. We've got an episode of Cousin Cast coming to you today. Uh, we've got some, finally got some sports stuff in store for you today. The past couple of times, we've done some fun stuff, and we're getting back kind of to our roots now. We've got some sports stuff to talk about. Some some uh, sports are starting to inch back a little bit. Uh, besides the coronavirus, you know, it's starting to get a little bit better. But uh, Peyton, tell them what's going on, man. Uh, how, I hope everybody's doing good. Uh, obviously, like Jackson said, we're slowly but surely uh, trying to inch back into b- sports being a reality again. Uh, you know, obviously, this is what everybody or we last week was what every medical official regarded as peak week for the virus, and so they're very hopeful that now it's going to be slowly but surely on the downswing of things. And with that, teams and leagues are already trying to discuss how to get back to their seasons or how to move forward with their seasons later in the year. Yeah, so we're going to um, we're going to talk a little bit, just a brief thing about the NBA and the MLB. They both kind of came out with some plans, neither of which, you know, kind of been accepted, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're mainly just going to talk about the NFL draft, which set to happen next Thursday, next weekend, and it'll all be virtual. But first off, Peyton, I'll let you kind of start off with what we got going on as our first topic. Yeah, we'll start out uh, talking about the NBA because obviously uh, we'll start with them since they were in season. Obviously, when this all this happened, uh, you know we talked about it in a past episode when we talked about all this, but they were really the domino that set everything off. I would really say in our country mainly, uh, you know, about the paranoia f- uh, for it with you know suspending the season. But now trying to talk about what possibly may happen. Silver's already said we won't hear anything concrete until at least May first. But what's been discussed is the 25-day plan. Jackson, you and I were talking about that a little bit earlier. 11 days of individual workouts for players and then a 14-day training camp to get back into the swing of things. Uh, And personally, and I'll let you talk about it before we talk about whether we'd like it or not, I'm going to assume that if this happens, I'm going to assume it's probably not until about June or July, and I'm going to say we go straight into the playoffs as if the the standings stayed as they were today. That's what I'm going to predict. Yeah, it, it, it'll definitely be, um, if they go straight to the playoffs for some teams like Memphis Grizzlies come to mind, they actually hold the eight seed right now, and the Pelicans are behind them. So for teams like the Pelicans and the Grizzlies who are right there on the border, uh, they're definitely not going to, you know, probably not be in favor of that. But, I mean, teams like the Lakers and uh, the Bucks on the east side, I mean, obviously they're not going to matter uh, each way because they're the one seeds. But, I think we have plenty of time to go ahead and finish out the regular season because there was only like 15 games left. So if they start the 25-day plan, let's say June 1st, and they do that throughout the month, finish up the regular season in the month of July, and then start playoffs in August, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see. There's a there's a chance, obviously a chance. We don't know anything for sure that's going to happen. I just, I'm not sure. Like you said, I think it's a great point. It depends on how far this really goes. You know, if we start back in June, yeah, there's a decent chance because then you have finals in August or September. Uh, but, you know, if we're not starting back until August, uh, e- even if we get a season to finish at that point, 
uh, I'm going to say you probably just see playoffs. And then if it does creep in August, we you have to wonder, well, do they maybe do a shortened playoff? Uh, do they maybe – uh, do they maybe just scrap the season and just move on and say, we'll try to start it back up in October? I feel like they're going to try to find some way to conclude the season with it being so deep, even if it gets to the point of where we don't start back until August and they say, okay, well, you know, we'll shorten up next season and this, you know, we'll finish this up and we'll take the top four seeds in each conference, you know, to make it a shortened playoff. I'm not sure what will happen. There's a lot of different options here. Uh, I'm going to say they have, the NBA is going to find a way to finish out the season. They've invested too much money, too much time, and too much fan interest into the season. Many were regarding this as one of the best playoff uh, pictures, maybe in terms of you know potential series that we were going to have in years. So this is going to be something they don't want to lose revenue on. It, it'll come back, but it'll be interesting to see when and how. I definitely think that they need to try to go ahead and finish up the regular season. And then what they could do in the playoffs is, I mean, they can kind of go with what the MLB does. They can have the first series be a best of five instead of best of seven. Or mainly what I feel like they should do is just shorten up the rest periods in between. Like the thing about the NBA is their playoffs take so long because usually between games they have like a, like traveling, they'll have a travel day and then like two rest days. I just, I don't think there's – they don't need to give them that much time. I mean, if you're staying in one place, say the Lakers are playing and they're playing their first two games in Los Angeles, well, play one game, rest the day, play the next game. And then you travel, rest, play the next game. I just feel like they need to uh, kind of compact their schedule and make it in quicker, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but it'll also be interesting to see because there'll be players, you know, that have uh, players like, for instance, let's talk about LeBron. Uh, let's talk about KD. Uh, players that have, you know, they've said, you know, we want to, we love basketball, but we're not going to burn out our bodies. It'll be interesting to see if they would accept something like that. I, I agree with you completely. The NBA playoffs do have a little bit too long of a break in between, uh, but you know, it'll be it just be interesting to see how. Like I said, I expect the NBA to return and finish this season. I just don't know when, and I I wonder how. I, I, I'd rather them do what we're talking about here and finish up the regular season and then have a, a condensed playoff. And even if that means that the finals are at the end of August leaking into September, I'd rather take that and shorten up the next season, This call, just calling this season off as it is. But now we will talk about the MLB uh, quickly. And really the MLB uh, and <sighs> – the MLB with the the basically the spring training season, uh, I guess that'd be a good name for it that they've talked about, uh, where instead of having an American and uh, National League, they would have a Grapefruit and Cactus League. I believe that's the spring training names, and they would you know where they usually do spring training. Those would be your two fifteen team leagues. Obviously, having the same playoffs, shortening up the season a little bit, playing double headers. Uh, this would be, okay, can I, I'll be completely honest, this could, that could be a very, if they could get players to agree to it, and it, from the reports, players aren't very happy with that proposal, that would be, honestly, I think one of the best things for the MLB, and here's why, P so many people complain, you know, about MLB being stale, season's too long to follow, you know, it, it's always, you know, the same winners, and blah, 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 you, if this happens, you have a shorter season, less games, so more people follow along, and you have playoff matchups, division matchups that have never been seen before. It actually brings a little bit of excitement back into the MLB, and if it doesn't go well, you know, uh, or whether it goes well or doesn't, you move back to what you were doing anyway, but have this as kind of a, take the advantage of this and say, you know, 
this is something, this is once in a lifetime. This is something, you know, you want to follow because it's not going to happen again. Yeah, this is going to be a good thing for the MLB and for other leagues as well, just to test something new. It's, we're in unprecedented waters right now, and having a league like that where some teams are based out of Arizona, some teams are based out of Florida, like a spring training type style, I'm definitely in agreement with that. And, you know, playing double headers and playing day baseball, that's kind of going back to baseball's roots where everything's, you know, not at night. My dad would love the idea of playing day baseball. <laughs> he loved it. But, um. Yeah, I definitely I can see that working, um, and even if they could do that for the first month or two, and if uh, signs are going positively uh, from the coronavirus, that they can kind of merge back into a normal schedule where they're playing, you know, in their home stadiums and stuff like that. I can definitely see that happening too. So you can't rule that out. But I definitely think this is a great time for leagues, including the MLB, to kind of experiment a bit. I, I agree absolutely with you because uh, you know. It, it this is a great time to experiment because you know with how long we've been about sports, any sports fan that is actually grateful to have them back, they're not going to care really how they come back. They're just going to be glad we have something back. So take this time, experiment, do something. You know whatever gets you back in action, do that. And then if it you know if it doesn't go over well, you change back to next year. But at least you got back, you got revenue back, which might in turn save league. We've already saw the XFL crash and burn, and that's something else we need to talk about because of this virus. Uh, you know, this is something that they desperately, uh, you know, sports leagues desperately need to come back, not just for, you know, sports lovers, but for their own sakes too. Yeah, definitely the smaller leagues like the XFL, uh, the more established leagues like the NBA, uh, MLB, and NFL, you know, they're going to be okay financially. But some of these smaller leagues uh, like like the XFL that just brought up this year, uh, maybe the WNBA, Stuff like that that don't have as much financial security as the bigger leagues, they they don't need stuff like this to happen because they can't afford it. Let me it. say this. Let me say this. The WNBA I, right now, they, they are on life alert. I will say that. Uh, you know, Obviously, I don't have any report of that or anything, but I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that because the NBA obviously is the one that they fund the WNBA almost entirely out of their money. Uh, and, you know, with no revenue being brought in to keep the NBA afloat, they – are going to have to di- divert funds most likely from the WNBA or the G League. So those are two, the G League and the WBA, they really could be on life alert if this, uh, you know, especially for the NBA, if they're, you know, if their outage of action goes any longer. Yeah, I definitely think if that were the case, they would take out the G League first and then merge over into the WNBA. But you make a good point saying that the WNBA is in trouble right now. No doubt about it. And, you know, we'll quickly talk about it. Uh, the XFL, they uh, they suspend all operations. Report comes that they're not coming back next year. Uh, and they the official thing came out yesterday that they filed for bankruptcy. So XFL is done. It, it officially, Elijah Magnamy is uh, – he is in shambles right now. Yeah. Uh, but – and you hate it for them because you – You really do. They never really had a chance to establish what they were trying to do. Well, and, and they had good results coming in. You know, the, the action was fun to watch. Uh, the action was fun to watch. You had uh, people excited for it. You really did. I, I mean, the action I watched was pretty good. They brought very inventive ideas, uh, things to make it different from the NFL. Uh, and I firmly believe they were going to go two or three seasons. And, you know, the, the report, everybody's saying as well, you know, Vince McMahon said he had enough capital for three seasons without making a dime off the XFL. So what happened? 
that's before the WWE had all this happen. The WWE stocks have cut, been essentially cut in half during all this. They're not getting into, you know, they're not getting ticket revenue, obviously gate revenue. The WWE struggling as well right now. And because of that, that was Vince's pretty much his way to fund the XFL. Uh, so with that happening, yeah, of course the XFL is going to shut down. You hate it for those players, the coaches, the, you know, the, the office, you know, the high office officials. Uh, but you know, that's just, it's a sad thing. You know, the first time the XFL didn't work because, you know, Vince basically took out what made it football this time really went back to the roots of football, but put some inventive, exciting ideas in. And sadly enough, it just, you know, it got caught during the absolute worst time that, you know, a startup league could have happened. Yeah. But uh, quickly, let's move on. I'm going to, I want to say one thing about the uh, world of golf. We want to talk about their, rescheduling everything and then we'll yeah, move, absolutely. On, move on into the NFL draft stuff. So the the um, PGA has announced that they have re kind of revamped their schedule. The um, PGA championship I believe is set to be at the end of August. Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, but I can tell you that the British Open entirely has been canceled. They will not play the British Open this year. I saw that and that's very disappointing obviously. Uh, that's actually, I would actually call the British Open maybe my second favorite major. Uh, I don't know why, but it's always been one of my favorites to watch. Uh, I mean, it's a definitely a different style of golf over there, and that's that's more fun to watch. But um, I'm more of, I kind of leave the U, uh, the British Open kind of in last place for me. But I'm looking right now, let's look. Oh, I can't find it. The President's Cup, I mean, the Ryder Cup has stayed the same. It's in the second. Yeah. Um, I think it's in October. Well, and it was yeah, it was helped out by already being scheduled for October. So for right now, they can say yeah, we're going to continue on with it as as scheduled. Um, okay, it really seems like it, it really seems like everybody. And I'll let you get quickly back to it. But you know, whether it's entertainment industry, you know, live events, uh, it really seems like everybody is really saying, all right, let's push everything back to August to be safe, and then we hopefully can move on from there. Yeah. So the. PGA Championship is set for August 6th through 9th, so the first weekend in August. And then uh, it looks like they're going to play the um, the FedEx Cup before they play the U.S. Open because the Tour Championship, which ends the PGA season, is set for September 4th through 7th. And then September 17th through 20th, they'll play the U.S. Open. And then, of course, in November 12th through 15th is the Masters. I think that one's definitely going to be the most interesting is the Masters in October. I mean, in November. Oh, without a doubt. But I, I'm actually looking forward to a fall Masters. I think that's going to be, like, visually, I think that's going to be absolutely stunning. Uh, I'm very intrigued by, you know, the FedEx Cup being, you know, before the, I think you said the, was it before the PGA or before the U.S. Open? Before the U.S. Open. Uh, this interesting to me because obviously not a lot of tournaments got done uh, in the FedEx Cup. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, you know, obviously they'll still do pretty much the same thing, I'm sure, but it's just going to be very interesting. Yeah, for sure. But uh, me and my dad were talking about it. We're on pace right now to have two uh, Masters tournaments in a span of six months. So that'll be great. I, as I was say, if this, if hopefully when this all passes, if there's one thing we got good out of it, is there a better timeline than getting the Masters twice in six months? I don't think there is because we're going to get it the first weekend of November, the second weekend of November, and then you turn around and have the second week of April. That's it's pretty good six month span right there. 
you got to be positive and you got to find the positives there and all this. And that's definitely one of them. Yeah. And before we, and while we move on into the NFL, I keep on telling my dad, um, just whatever they have to do to bring football back. That's the main goal. We can't do this without football. And I say that jokingly because we all love football, but I really believe that the U S economy can, will take a really big hit if we don't have football. I agree with you completely. Uh, you know, there's so many branching economies that come out of football or branching, uh, branching economies. I sound very smart right now. Uh, branching, you know, there's tie-ins, businesses, partners. So many of them rely on a booming industry during football. And without that, you know, uh, it, it, one of the crazier things, and this is just, some people say, oh, that's funny. But, you know, you think about it and it's, it's crazy to think about. There's actually, we actually have an overstock in our country right now of chicken wings due to the cancellation of March Madness. That's not a joke. That's not a fake article. There's actually, I believe, a 5 million pound, uh, overage of chicken wings in this country because March Madness being canceled. They didn't sell them at the arenas. People didn't order them in from, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, Wingstop, wherever you're at. It's just crazy to think about. That's such a weird stat, but that just shows you how so many obscure industries that you don't think about will be affected by sports, but staying out any longer, really. And, you know, I didn't know that before you said that, but it really doesn't shock me that much that that's what is happening right now because, yeah, you, you think about it, all these Men and women, I'm not, you know, gender equality, but that go to the <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings of the world and just restaurants in general to go to watch March Madness games. And that's like one of their first, you know, choices of food is wings. It just kind of goes together. Yeah, without a doubt. It's it's crazy to think about. We desperately need football back to help, you know, rebuild the economy once hopefully all this calms down a little bit and hopefully we keep flattening the curve or attempting to flatten the curve. Uh, but you know, speaking of football, let's let's move into it. Obviously, the NFL draft coming up. Uh, I don't believe it's next week. I believe it's the next. And I might be no. I think it it is next week. I'm sorry, next week. Um, and you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of speculation, but not you know after pick number one and pick number two, a lot of speculation as to what might happen. Uh, trades, uh, quarterbacks, uh, a big rush on quarterbacks, maybe the biggest we've had in a couple of years uh, because of the quarterback class that's coming in this year. Uh, I think there's a possibility we could see five first round quarterback picks. Uh, you know, it depends on what happens, obviously, how the market looks, how many people are trading up. But I think there's a outside possibility we see five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that. Cause I mean everybody knows or everybody expects to know that Joe Burrow is going number one. Without a doubt. Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm looking up right here, according to NFL or this is CBS Sports, he has the top five Quarterbacks uh, as it follows Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and Jacob Easton. So you're saying that you can see all those guys going in the first round? Yeah, I could I could see that. Uh, I could definitely see uh, Easton maybe not as high of a chance. But, you know, if, say, you know, say Burrow gets picked at one, okay? Say the Dolphins say, you know what? We're scared. We don't want anybody moving up, jumping up to, you know, five or three to get or four to get him. So they jump up to three. Trey with the Lions, two picks up to get Tagovailoa. Well, then somebody else, the Lions say, well, hey, you know, anybody else want five? Somebody trades up to five. Lines move back even farther, spurt, get, gathering up draft capital because they need, you know, they're looking at getting the corner out of Ohio State. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. But they can gather all this draft capital, keep moving back, and still get a high quality player because they're not looking for anything specific, just really to build 
a better team. Uh, so somebody moves up to get Herbert at five. Then, so you know, you're going to have those back layer teams like the Packers, the Patriots, the Chargers, uh, teams that are, you know, that are even the Raiders possibly who might be like, you know what, let's drink, bring in another quarterback. All of a sudden, then the top four off the board, somebody says, well, we can't afford to lose the quarterback. We were going to pick one second round, third round. We need to get our guy. So they trade back into the first round. It's, you know, that I know that might sound crazy, but we see this happen all the time, whether it's at receiver sometimes, uh, whether you see it a lot with offensive linemen. Offensive linemen is, happens so much. You see a big run of them happen either in the early picks or the, the late or the teens, and you see a team in the 20s say, you know what? We've got to trade back in because we need to get our guy before this run ends on, you know, before this run goes any farther. So that's how I could see five quarterbacks being taken. I'm not sure if it will be. I think we will definitely see four taken, though, in the first round out of Love, Tagovailoa, Burrow, and Herbert in no specific order. Yeah. So, um, just we got to talk, talk about the format this year. So, everybody, you know, it's going to be, you know, quarantine at their house or whatever. But, um, and it's already come out that Roger Goodell will be announcing the first, I think it's just the first round only, but he'll be announcing that from his basement. That's so it'll just see it'll just kind of be interesting to see how the flow of the draft goes this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. Honestly, I will respect Roger Goodell by ten thousand percent if he will play booze in the background as he walks up to make his picks. He will earn every single bit of my respect if he does that. If he wants to be realistic, he might as well do it. I mean, he really should. Uh, but you know, now let's go through the mock draft, and we're not going to go through every pick in depth, but just kind of the teams we know about where, you know, players we know about, we can talk about that. Uh, overall, uh, number one overall, Joe Burrow. You know, I think Tommy Stevens could have went here. Jackson, obviously. Tommy put up great numbers. It <laughs> <laughs> all season, never got hurt. He's not injury prone whatsoever. I think he'd be a great quarterback. I mean, and every time he gets injured, injured it's day-to-day. I mean, it's day-to-day. And, I mean, you can never you, – when you have somebody that's getting hurt day-to-day, he's not getting long-lasting injuries. So, I definitely see a bright side with that. He's durable. That is a, that's a durable man. He's willing to play through anything. Joking, joking aside, before you move on, Tommy Stevens, I read something the other day. He's trying to go into a draft with, like, an all-purpose player, like a, like a Taysom Hill. Really? Yeah, but I, I don't really don't see it happening. Yeah, I've never seen any, you know, I mean, obviously he was, you know, decently athletic, but I never saw anything out of him that would show to be that type of player. He did that more at Penn State than he did at Mississippi State, but uh, best of luck to him. I just don't really see that oh, yeah. really coming to fruition, but anyway. Whether a kid comes from whether a kid comes from USC, LSU, Mississippi State, any college I hate, I'm never going to wish, you know, good, good luck to any senior, junior that declares and they're trying to get picked. You know, I'm never going to wish a kid doesn't get picked. I mean, but Willie Gay honestly must be going at least top five before we get into it. I mean, best defender in the SEC, no doubt. No I mean, doubt. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking right here. This says uh, the New York Giants pick Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson as a linebacker with their fourth pick. No way. That's Willie Gay right there. Congratulations, Giants. <laughs> So, uh, so before we get into our draft, because I think we're looking at two different ones, uh, where are you getting your mock draft from that you're looking at? I am currently on CBSSports.com. Gotcha. I'm on NFL.com, Daniel Jeremiah. So we can kind of compare, you know, well, let's start. I'm sure our first two picks are the same. Jerb Burrow at number one at Cincinnati. Uh, Do you see, I mean, really, could they pick anybody else? I mean, no. If they pick somebody else, they would be stupid. And I mean, I hate the Bengals with all my heart, but I mean, just don't be stupid. Pick Jerb Burrow. 
you know, the only one I think you could justify maybe is Tua. Uh, but, you know, with his injuries, it's going to – you know, if Tua didn't get injured last year – Bold prediction whether Joe Burrow wins the national championship or not. If he doesn't have the hip injury and, you know, maybe he's a little banged up, but he plays through the rest of the season, I think Tua Tagovailoa goes first. Joe I really do. I mean, in my opinion, Joe Burrow has more of an NFL build than Tua does. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, the only reason I'm I'm worried about Joe Burrow, and it's because um, – you know, he uh, he has just an okay junior season at LSU. You know, he obviously didn't play his first two years at Ohio State besides a mop-up duty. And then senior year, he's with uh, the, the – his name has slipped my mind. Oh, Brady, Joe Brady uh, from LSU. He works wonders with him. Brady now is at the Carolina Panthers. How does Joe Burrow do without Joe Brady? Because we saw his best season come – with Joe Brady calling up the plays at the helm. And, you know, last year you go back to him without Brady and he looked, you know, just like a relatively a, maybe above average quarterback. So, you know, we, you and NFL teams, when you pick the number one overall pick, you don't pick for above average. I'm not saying that Burrow's not the right pick here. I think he's the pick that to get your fan base excited, to keep them, you know, excited about the, the, the direction of the team, uh, you have to pick Burrow. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I, that's my biggest worry about Burrow is can he re-encapsulate that magic? Well, you got to keep in mind is the Bengals are in a very bad place right now. So it's just, it's, even if he came out there this season, he's probably not going to look well anyway because the pieces around him aren't good. Yeah, I mean, you, you've you got one, maybe one of the worst offensive lines in the league. You're setting up for your rookie quarterback to get demolished back there year one. You're going to have to find a way. Uh, it is essential for the Bengals to find a way to build up an offensive line a little bit uh, because they re- easily had one of the worst, if not the worst, in the league last year. And that you, the worst combination you have is draft a rookie quarterback and throw him behind a bad offensive line. That's a recipe for a bust. Oh, absolutely. But uh, let's not dwell too much and let's keep on moving on. Yeah, uh, pick number two, Chase Young out of Ohio State, edge rusher. Uh, he best player in the draft, uh, I think, without a doubt. Uh, Late in the draft, he, for sure. Uh, yeah, Young is simply phenomenal. He can do it all. He can he can rush. Uh, he can jump out into coverage. Uh, he's you know obviously that he's more of a rusher than he is in coverage. But this is a pick. This is the easiest pick the Redskins will ever have to make in their life. Uh, you know, at two, they need an edge rusher anyway. They need defensive line help. So. I mean, that's it's too e- I mean, they they well, I say that, but they have good pieces on the defensive line, but it's never bad to build up on depth. And I mean, he is by far the best player in the draft, one of the best we've had in years. That I was I was about to say, um, having Chase Young on one end and Montez Sweat on the other end could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh Preston Smith is Preston Smith still with the Redskins too? No, he's with the Packers now. Oh yeah, he is with the Packers now. But yeah, um, uh, seeing Tess firsthand and having him and Chase Young both very big and very physical and quick at the same time, getting them some time together, that could be pretty. That could be a dangerous uh, one-two punch on the defensive line for the Redskins. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, now we can talk about well, you know, uh, we can go back and forth. Uh, pick number three for the Lions on my draft. It has uh, Jeff Okuda uh, out of Ohio State, cornerback, uh, and same thing. Yeah, he's uh. Bet he is the best corner in this draft, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and back to back Ohio State picks. Uh, you know, again, the Lions at this point, you just need pieces. Take the best player on the board, uh, and that's exactly what they're going to do with the junior corner. 
And uh, for the Giants, I think we have different picks. You said Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I have Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle out of Iowa. Go ahead and you can talk about uh, Isaiah Simmons for a little bit. Obviously, it has a read under it. You can talk about what they're saying, what you think for the Giants. Yeah, I'm looking it up right here. This says a um, that Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. It says he can line up at linebacker, a slot corner, and an edge rush, edge rusher, and play both safety positions. So he must be a very, very athletic dude to be able to line up in all different positions and being able to cover as well as it looks like. And it says has side to side sideline to sideline speed. So that's better as well. So it looks like getting Isaiah Simmons is going to be a very athletic, very versatile linebacker. And, I mean, you know the Giants better than I do. If that's something that y'all need, uh, that looks like that would be a great option. Look, the Giants need uh, help all over their defense. And, you know, the a Swiss Army knife player like that, that, you know, there might be, a, you know, the, there might be obviously a first down situation where you need to rush him off the edge, contain the outside if the, if the you know, if say you're playing a team that wants to stretch it outside on the run. So that's, you know, it's excellent to have. If you've got a deadly player that can line up in the slot, like an A.J. Brown, like a Tyreek Hill, like a Debo Samuel, like a Terry McLaurin, like a Chris Godwin, if you've got somebody speedy like that, that's great to have somebody that can go over and line up in the slot corner spot right there and if you yeah. and linebacker to help you know run support that's a great pick for the Giants I mean it, it is anytime you can get a linebacker that can cover is definitely a plus no doubt about it you know I mean? uh, but at the same time I, I, times getting like running backs out of the backfield or slot corners like that just out out um outdo the linebacker just speed alone so anytime you can have a linebacker that's fast that can cover on his feet it's very good no doubt about it. Those are always essential to have, uh, you know, in your back pocket on a, on a on a on a successful team. But at the same time, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame the Giants for drafting worse. Obviously, the best tackle in the league, Daniel Jones needs protection. You know, Eli needed protection for the last ten years of his career. Giants couldn't really get him any. Uh, but you know, getting Jones some protection is going to be big for them. So either of these picks, they can't go wrong. But I think the one of those two has to be the pick for the Giants at four. Yeah, so moving on down, we have Miami, and we get, take the next quarterback there, and it's Tua Tagovailoa, a very common name. And the only thing about Tagovailoa, you saw what he did at Alabama. He kind of revolutionized that Alabama offense, becoming off a of, you know a crazy hip injury that he actually suffered against Mississippi State. Um, you just don't know how well he's going to be. He says he feels good. He says he's one hundred percent recovered, but they're all going to say that. So, is it just worth the risk for Miami? Actually, at, at, in this draft at five, it's got Justin Herbert, uh, which is surprising to me. Uh, you know, there were some reports that Tua and the Dolphins meeting before all this happened, their meeting at the Combine didn't go great. Uh, you know, you never know what reports are smokescreen uh, by GMs, what they might say to try to throw people off the scent. Uh, but, you know, Herbert, uh, the biggest question about Herbert, I think I would have to say is uh, mainly one. Uh, you know, you have to worry about uh him transitioning from a West Coast offense to a pro offense. It's not as big a transition as a spread is to a pro offense, but that's always a concern. Uh, either you know, Dolphins they need quarterbacks, so you really they've just got to make sure they pick the best guy on the board for them, what they truly think is the best. Yeah, and so it's funny you say that because at six for me, the San Diego Chargers has them taking Justin Herbert. And at six, this draft has them taken to attack of Aloha. So the the Chargers, unless they trade up, which they could possibly trade up to four or three with the Giants or Lions, respectively, the the, the Chargers are going to get the last pick at quarterback, and uh, they need to go quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, I mean, he's a stopgap one year, uh, and then you move in your guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think – 
I, I really think those top three guys, I think they all can be successful NFL quarterbacks. I really do. I think I'm I'm one of the buyers that this is one of the best quarterback drafts we've had in a while in terms of depth. But, you know, you never really know. And so, again, you while you want a quarterback, you have to make sure you take a guy that you truly believe can be a successful quarterback. If not, and you believe there's somebody in the later round, just don't worry about what your fans think. You have to – you just have to trade back make the best decision for your team. Yeah, so the thing about taking these three quarterbacks, any of these three quarterbacks in the uh, top ten, is that all these teams need, need help right away. And so getting quarterbacks like this, I don't think you're going to see immediate production just because the teams themselves are not too great right now. And anytime you get a, a rookie quarterback, they need help. They can't do it by themselves. And I think that goes – that continues with these three guys – Joe Burrows, who we talked about with Justin Herbert, all great quarterbacks. But I definitely think all three of them are going to need some time as their team develops. Yeah. Uh, you know, now let's look at, uh, you know, now let's kind of go down the line since we've made it out of the quarterbacks, which is obviously what most people are usually interested in hearing about, and kind of look at picks that really excite you. And we can just, we can, get, we can go back and forth one at a time. I'll start it out. Uh, at, at pick number seven, right after the Chargers, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle out of Auburn, uh, goes to the Panthers. We've seen him enough. He's caused enough trouble for both of our teams. Brown is by far and away uh, the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. He's an absolute beast. He's got extreme athleticism for somebody on the inside, uh, but he's also got power to move, go along with it. That's a tr- that's another pick that really you can't go wrong with if you're the Panthers. Yeah, and I have him at seven as well in my draft. And the thing about Derrick Brown is that he's a senior. He's been there all four years. He's been through the SEC, the gauntlet of the SEC West. I mean, he knows what high-level football is, and he's been able to develop every year and get better every year. And he was no doubt the best defensive lineman we had in the SEC, which is also you know also known as the NFL minor league. So he knows what kind of what type of football needs to be played to play in a tough physical league. He would definitely be a great pick for the Panthers. You go ahead and uh, you go ahead and talk about the next pick that intrigues you on the li- on your list, Jackson. Um, let's see, uh, CD Lamb. I have him going to the Jets at number eleven, the first wide receiver taken. So that's always a uh, interesting uh, deal to look at. It's a, one of the first skill positions, and we know what CD Lamb did at Oklahoma. He's an electrifying player to watch. Anytime you get a high level. Uh, receiver is definitely going to be good for your fans because, I mean, what they want is excitement. They want your team to win. Anytime you can get a guy like C.D. Lamb who can jump up, make one-handed catch, uh, one-handed catches, um, it'll be exciting for your fan base. C.D. Lamb, I also have him 11. I'm going to talk about him in ju- for j- just a second. But also, at 10, I have Isaiah Simmons. So he dra- in, my, in my draft, he doesn't go at 4. He goes at 10. And that's actually would be an excellent pick for the Browns if he fell that far. Because, uh, you know, you talk about a guy that can line up as an edge rusher, linebacker, a slot corner. Who matches up really well with somebody that has good speed and can get on the run in the AFC North? Lamar Jackson. That's a great player to have that can move, but also, you know, lay big hits that can, you know, rush to try to contain Lamar on the edge, or you can have him play back, play a spy. That'd be a great pick for the Browns, but I'm going to talk about CD for a second. Like you said, uh, you know, the, the Jets could use an offensive line. Uh, they, the, uh, it's a, an offensive line upgrade, but three tackles are already gone. So I, th- I think you also need wide receiver help besides Robbie Anderson. Go get yourself CeeDee Lamb. He's probably the best receiver in this draft. You could argue Jerry Judy, uh, but either one of them would be excellent. And this is going to lead into both of us seeing in our drafts. This is also one of the, maybe this has potential down the road 
to be one of the best wide receiver classes of all time. There's so many first and early second round prospects out of wide receivers in this class. It's unbelievable to see. Yeah, and as you say that, my next point was including C.D. Lamb at 11. Uh, from 11 to 15, so that's five picks. There's three receivers taken. C.D. Lamb, or according to this mock draft, C.D. Lamb's at 11 for the New York Jets. At 13 is San Francisco, Henry Ruggs third from Alabama. And at 15 is the Broncos, and it's Jared Judy. So that kind of gives you an idea of how loaded this wide receiver talent is in this NFL draft class. Yeah, uh, you know, I've got Lamb at 11, Judy at 12 to the Raiders. Raiders take their second Alabama wide receiver in six years. And Henry Ruggs at 13 to San Francisco. And the Ruggs to San Francisco works really well. We saw how Debo Samuel got used so effectively in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He knows how to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. So think about a guy like Ruggs. He ran a 4-2-8 in the 40. On uh, blazing speed. Imagine Shanahan, that offense, using him on jet sweeps, uh, quick passes, uh, screens. Shanahan's going to know how to get him the ball and use his speed to his advantage. That is the perfect landing spot for Ruggs if that's where he lands. Quickly, you can go ahead and brief me up on this one. How does San Francisco have the 13th pick even though they're in the Super Bowl? Who they trade with? Uh, I, uh, you're catching me. I'm not, I can't remember. Uh, oh, they traded with the Colts. They traded with the, yeah. they traded with the Colts. DeForest Buckner, uh, moves over from the, uh, to the Colts in exchange for the 13th overall pick. That's big for them coming off the Super Bowl. Already have a stacked team to go ahead and get a top 15 pick. No doubt about it. Good stuff. Damn. Uh, next pick for me that really shows interest is CJ Henderson out of Florida, uh, going to Atlanta at 16 corner. And um, Atlanta, they need secondary help. Uh, they get the ball thrown on, on them all day if you watched them last year. Obviously, they've got really good pieces on offense. you got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. you got got uh, Calvin Ridley. I mean, you've got great pieces on offense, uh, but you've got to he- find a way to help out your offense, get some stops. And they got demolished through the air last year. So getting C.J. Henderson, probably the second best corner in the draft, uh, that's really big for them. Yeah, so um, moving on, the next pick, uh, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, the Cowboys since they're a local favorite down here. At pick number ah, six, screw the Cowboys. That's a local favorite, Peyton. You got to, you know, preach to the masses. Uh, at pick 17, the Cowboys, this has been picking, uh, uh, I can't even pronounce that name. It's an edge rusher from LSU. Oh, Calavion Chison? Yeah. Calavion Chason? Yeah. That's what it has them picking. So uh, I'm not too sure. I haven't. I know the Dallas Cowboys offense is pretty loaded. I'm not too sure about their defense. I don't follow them that much, but I was going to shout that one out because I know the Dallas Cowboys are a local favorite. I watch the Cowboys enough, you know, being a Giants fan. It, it, the the Cowboys really, they've got pieces almost everywhere. Uh, I could I could have saw them go in uh, corner, maybe getting AJ Terrell out of Clemson. You know, they lost Byron Jones in free agency. Jones obviously an excellent corner, but you know, getting somebody to go on the opposite side of Demarcus Lawrence, uh, those left tackles and right tackles, it, you know, Chison, he's he's got he's got big playmaking ability. We saw it at LSU. He's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, you know. You know you're gonna make you're make, gonna make offensive line ta- coaches stay up at night game planning how to contain both these guys on opposite edges. I'm trying. I'm pulling up a full seven round mock draft now. Uh, you know, hey, uh, tell us about the Steelers pick at eighteen. Oh wait, <laughs> I had to get you. We we were just hey, 
We got uh, Mika Fitzpatrick out of that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I just had to mess with you. Mika Fitzpatrick is honestly worth a first-round pick, in my opinion. He is unbelievable in the back end of the defense. He was a game-changer for us deep into the season. Um. While you're looking up another draft, uh, the Jaguars at 20 projected to take Justin Jefferson, wide receiver. Uh, this is the Rams' uh, original pick that they got from trading Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they draft Justin Jefferson out of LSU, wide receiver, junior. Uh, we saw Jefferson, uh, how good he was next to uh, Jamar Chase, who will be in the draft next year. Uh, and, you know, simply put, that you know that LSU wide receiving core, they made themselves a lot of money after the season. Jefferson, one of those guys that really profited. He probably went from being a a second round pick to a day two pick uh, to being a almost surefire first rounder, top five receiving prospect in this draft. I'm trying to look and find out where I think the first bulldog will be taken in Cam Dantzler. I can't find him yet. I think things where it's been. Um, uh, he's been a first-round pick, early second-round pick, but I'm trying to look and find him. Well, you know, the draft stock actually on Dantzler went down a little bit uh, due to his poor 40 at the combine, but he ran. The, he did his, He did a private pro day the other day. Yeah, and it, it was a little bit better. Oh, it was much better. It went from a 4.6 to a uh, 4.28, I believe. Uh, I mean, he – I mean, it, that – Four three eight. I mean that helps his that helps him greatly. Uh, tick shaving three tenths off that forty because one of your biggest concerns about a co- a corner is if they do get burned, recovery speed. Uh, so those three tenths of a second are massive in helping a corner improve his draft stock. Here's one a pick that kind of intrigues me. Round two, uh, pick uh, overall pick forty five to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is Cam Akers out of Mississippi. He played at Florida State, but he's a Mississippi. And we saw, we know how good he was in high school. He didn't really kind of pan out like we thought he would at Florida State. We know the potentials there. Oh yeah, played behind a, a terrible offensive line at Florida State. Uh, we know that Anchors can be a game changer. He really was the offense for Florida State. You know, in their in during their season. Uh, you know, that's a, he's still a big time player. Uh, really a better team success, and he's looking at a round one possibility. Uh, it doesn't look like any running backs get taken in the first round, which has honestly become kind of a you know, kind of a tradition. You might see one taken late, but you don't usually see running backs going in the first round very often anymore. Quickly, as we're rounding up on 40 minutes, I found Cam Dantzler. He's at round three. Uh, 66 overall pick is Cam Dantzler. He's watched them Redskins here. Redskins uh, could definitely use them at corner, help out that defense a little bit more. Uh, Patrick Queen uh, projected to go to the Saints at pick 24 in my draft out of LSU. If you watch the national championship game against uh, Clemson, Patrick Queen made him some money in that game. He he played lights out, and he was good all season, but he, you know, on that stage, he made himself money by playing absolutely spectacular, and he gets himself to a playoff caliber team in the Saints at 24. Uh, T. Higgins, very good wide receiver at 25 to the Vikings. Uh, losing Stephon Diggs to a trade to the Bills, they could have used another wide receiver. And final pick I'm going to talk about is, uh, uh, well, two more. Uh, I'll get this one in for, for Elijah. Uh, Titans at 29. Projected take uh, Brandon Ayuk uh, out of Arizona State, wide receiver, senior. Uh, you know, obviously they could use help uh, with AJ Brown and Jordan Love at thirty to the Packers, Utah State quarterback, junior red shirt. He's kind of what a lot of people saw as a Josh Allen type. You know, he could use a year or two to develop, and that'd be a perfect place for him to go develop under Rodgers, and he could be a stud if he gets that time to develop. 
And real quickly before we wrap it up, I do want to shout out. We kind of joked about it at the beginning, but we had, I found Willie Gay going round three, seventy uh, fourth overall pick to the Browns. That's why they they have Willie Gay going. Best player in the NFL, no doubt. Uh, in the NFL, he's already moved up in the NFL. I thought it's just the SEC. As soon as he gets drafted, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, he's just that good. And we're not even, I'm not going to explain the inside joke because you just have to know. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. The hashtag. But I think that kind of wraps up our NFL draft coverage. Like we said, that's uh, it's going to be next starting next Thursday. It'll be interesting to see how they do everything with everybody being in different places. Like we said, Roger Goodell is going to announce some picks from his basement. But I think it's been good to talk a little bit of sports with you, Peyton. Absolutely, man. We, you know, I know we miss it. Uh, it's always great to be able to talk about it. And uh, draft time is one of my favorite times of the year. So excited to get that out and talk about the first round in particular, pretty much. Hopefully soon we'll be talking some college football, and that'll be when everything starts to vamp up for us because we both love college football. Absolutely, hopefully so. But Jackson, you got any final words? No, I don't, man. It's been it's been it's been good to talk to you about it. Hopefully we can get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hope you're uh, but want to shout out everybody. Thank you as always for listening during this. We'll get through it. We uh, know we will. Um, follow us on our uh, social media: Facebook, search find the Cousin Cast page, uh, Instagram. You can find us at Cousin Cast and Twitter at Cast Cousin. But with that, if nothing else is to be added, for Jackson Finch, I'm Peyton Taylor. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.